You are listening to The Path Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Path Podcast. I am joined here by Tani and Ock. As usual, this is Nathan speaking. Um, thanks for uh, downloading and listening once again. Uh, I think uh, we've been chatting a little bit so far, and I think we actually have a pretty good show lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of new stuff coming up in the bike industry, and um, lots of new exciting stuff that we're seeing at the shop. And uh, with that, I think we're going to let Ock kick it off with uh, shop news as usual. Thank you, Nathan, and um, welcome back to Tawny. It's always good to have you. Oh, man, I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> I and I, you know what? I really want to thank Brendan for – I listened to the episode with Brendan today, and I was telling Nathan and Ock before the show how I just felt real comfortable and happy listening to it, and I was entertained, and I didn't feel like I was doing a job. I was just entertained, and, and I thought Brendan kind of did a good job of – kind of keeping it weird for me while I was gone. <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks again, Brendan, for, for joining us. Lot, lots of good insight from, uh, from one of the industry's best uh, bike designers. That's the truth. Um, so anyways, yeah, it's, it's good to have Tawny back and it's, uh, it was good to have Brendan here to, to fill in the, uh, to fit in with all the other weirdness that goes on. So as far as, Shop news, man, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, I'm going to start off with a sale this weekend. It is Labor Day weekend. And even though normally the, both shops are closed on, on Labor Day itself, that's Monday, uh, the Tustin shop is going to actually be open uh, Monday, 10 to 5. And so this is really kind of the first time the shop is open. So it's pretty exciting. You get, you know, um, uh, the Path bike shop open all the way through the weekend. Live Oak is still going to be closed, but cruise on by um, the Tustin shop uh, Monday, 10 to 5. Uh, they're open. They're open. The, the actual sale itself is going on Thursday to Monday. So, man, that's it's Tuesday right now when we're recording this. So that's going to be all weekend long, starting on Thursday and going through Monday. So Thursday, September 1st through Monday, September um, through Monday, September fifth. Okay, right. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, Live Oak's going to be Thursday to Sunday, uh, and so oh, special event on in Tustin on Sunday. So barbecue from twelve to one thirty. So, I think this time it's going to be a real charcoal barbecue. Ooh, oh, nice! That's kind of the way I'm trying to get this set up. I love it. So, na- natural, hundred percent hardwood oak. Awesome. Sweet. Maybe we could get Smoky a little flavors. A little army of uh of large Webers, twenty twenty four inch Webers might might work out well. <laughs> a small army of Webers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, I use mine all the time. Uh natural not natural briquettes uh burn good and clean, none of the chemical smell or taste to your food. One of Ock's great contributions to my life was when he taught me that I could get it started in my little chimney with no lighter fluid. <laughs> two two sheets of newspaper. I use uh, two little balls of of newspaper. (laughs) Yeah, and it it really does. I really, anyways, we were digressing a little bit, but it really, if you can get your charcoal started, um, natural briquette started without lighter fluid, uh, just a couple pieces of newspaper and a chimney, it really does taste better. There's no chemical taste to your food, all natural. It is, it's awesome. 
So anyways, back to the sale. There's going to be a barbecue uh, at the Tuzzin shop on Sunday, 1230 to 130. Uh, man, I, I I might try to cruise out over there. I hope to see you there. Yeah, that'd be good. So <clears throat> all so all sales bikes, all sale bikes are going to be out in the parking lot. Man, that that is cool. So there's going to be quite an 80 bikes, give or take, will be out in the parking lot. Yeah, that's exciting. And that may may include um, so included in sale bikes, and I'm not sure if all, if all of these bikes are going to actually be on the parking lot either. But the uh, 2017 aluminum bikes are going to be 15 percent off. So that's 2017, not not 2016 and not 2015. 2017 bikes are going to be 15 uh, percent off aluminum and 13 percent off carbon 2017 bikes. 13 percent off 2017 bikes. So you mean I could cruise in there and find a uh, like, uh, let's not get too specific, man. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not for the listeners. I, what Ock is saying is true, but we don't want to say anything in specific because it might violate our dealer contract. Thank you. 2017 bikes, 13% off. That is amazing. So <clears throat> some other cool things is, uh, no tax, no tax on clearance bikes, except, uh, final markdowns. And and you got fifteen percent off takeoff. So if if you guys have never been to the the Path Bike Shop in Tustin, the takeoff room is the most amazing takeoff room, quote unquote. I'm doing the air quotes. Takeoff room of of any place that you've probably ever seen. Lots of cool stuff in there. It's like a big treasure hunt room. Yeah. So we do a lot of custom customizations on new bikes, and we give people a little bit of credit for the stock parts. And those parts end up in our takeoff room for a great deal. Yeah, and a lot of times it's not takeoff like the the very lowest end uh, components and old uh, front derailers. Uh, you're gonna find. Well, you could find that. You can actually <laughs> find that. Yeah, so it's a great place to find if you're looking to 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 complete a project uh, inexpensively. You'll find some pretty amazing wheels in there, but also there's some very high end uh, takeoff parts there. So. You, like Nathan says, it's a treasure hunt. You'll find some cool stuff. Yeah. So let's see. A lot of other um, uh, discounts, 20% off tires and tubes, 20% off apparel, including pretty much everything you can imagine. Helmets, gloves, short, shoes, shorts, jerseys, glasses, goggles, socks. Uh, 15% off parts and accessories. 15% off nutrition. It's uh, It's pretty amazing. So, again... Tustin at the Tustin location Thursday to Monday. So Thursday, September 1st to Monday, September uh, 5th. And Live Oak's going to be closed on Monday, but otherwise it's the same sales days. Yeah, maybe come out, make a day of it on Sunday. Come out for our Sunday shop ride, come to the barbecue, buy a bunch of stuff at a sale, go home fat and happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> fat, happy, and with a slightly lighter wallet. Yep. So it, it's good times. So let's see, moving on. Man. Oh yeah, so we've got a another rider workshop coming up. Yeah, new rider workshop. So this is a, a new rider workshop, and and the last one, uh, maybe fill us in a little bit on the details on how that. How that so went. we're we're going to meet up. It's going to be Megan and I instructing, I believe, and we're going to go over what to bring in your pack, how to do a basic safety inspection on your bike, how to change a tube. And um, some basic riding techniques, like real basic stuff, like big, real beginner stuff, like how to shift, which brake is the front brake, and like how to use it safely, um, stuff like that. The real, real basics, like out, you know, 
basic pedal position and turns, um, the real, real fundamental basics that you would show to a real beginner. So this is for someone who's either done just a little bit of mountain biking and they're still very green and, and really want that basic instruction or someone maybe who's even never gone mountain biking but wants to try the sport. Man, that sounds exciting. So all of our, we want all of our, you know, loyal expert customers to send their coworkers, sisters, brothers, friends who are interested in joining the sport, send them to the new rider workshop or, or our customers who have maybe bought a new bike and they've gone on a couple of rides and they're, they're still trying to find their way in the sport and they have a lot of questions and, and, and they want to just get a little more safe and confident being out on the trail, but come on out. It's, it's pre-signups only. You can email Megan at the pathbikeshop.com to sign up. We're only letting 10 people sign up, so sign up ASAP. If you head over to the, the website, uh, www.thepathbikeshop.com, no spaces, uh, check out events, clinics. Uh, there's, there's all the information, uh, including a few pics. It looks like pictures from uh, maybe even the last uh, New Rider Workshop. Yep. So it's, that looks pretty phenomenal. Um, great opportunity. And for you, maybe guys out there looking to get your wives or guys who are looking to get their girlfriends involved with writing, this is probably a great opportunity to, to maybe help impart some knowledge to them without you um, <laughs> imparting a lot of the uh, relational uh, Yeah, listen-wise, we don't want you woman explaining this to us. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen a lot of, yeah, exactly, wives. Maybe this is a great way to get your husbands involved with mountain biking as well. So without having to woman explain it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and husbands <laughs> without having to mansplain it. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's a terrible thing to watch. I've, <laughs> I've experienced. Especially when you find yourself watching it in yourself. <laughs> oh, man. That's me. It's like, oh, I'm mansplaining right now. You have to mansplain it to yourself how to stop. Exactly. You just got to call it out, and then it kind of helps you stop, right? You can share information without seeming that way somehow. Somehow. I just got to work on it. It usually doesn't happen on the mountain bike, uh, man man to woman or woman to man. Usually doesn't happen well, so... The new Rider Workshop. It's a great. It's a great way to to get a significant other out on the. Yeah, market. we'll be the know it all, and you can not have to be the know it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, you know, because Tani and Megan are two of the best know it alls that I know around. Yes, <laughs> very condescending. We work on our condescendingness. <laughs> Just kidding. We, we really try to keep this event very approachable and and friendly and warm. I guarantee you that 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 is the case. I'm. Uh, I've I've been the the receptor of many um, uh, hints, tips, and tricks from probably both of these, both of both of those folks. All right, so new rider clinic. Uh, we've got the uh, the sale going on. Um, let's see. I think those are the those are really the highlights of the actual shop events. Maybe that and some really cool new arrivals oh, and yeah. upcoming new arrivals. Well, that's. Um, that's what we want to jump into, and that's oh, and that we're hiring a tech. Oh, exactly, a tech or two? Were there two? One for right? each shop, right? One now. for that's each shop. What we're right. looking for full time, okay. serious employment, benefits, an attempt at a real income. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping it real. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that that's uh, one tech at the uh, one tech at the live oak shop, one at the at the Tustin. Yeah, and and in truth too, um, 
techs who work at the shop for a long time often grow into management and and other positions and there really is growth opportunity and and i think a lot to a lot of learning we're we're definitely a place of learning and sharing yeah yeah and you know i mean very long time ago i'm i am a i am a former tech of the path bike shop <laughs> i guess when i worked there it was a little bit of everything but i was probably about 80 percent of my time tech um but certainly a good place to work um, and you will learn a ton about the um, the setup of high end bikes and, and those nuances that you're probably not going to learn a lot of other places. That's right. Come tech for a summer at the path, and all that is Nathan's could be yours, <laughs> <laughs> whether you want it or not. <laughs> well, and one of the things that actually I, we're looking for good long term employment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think one of the things as a as a little bit of an outsider. Um, never having worked at the path bike shop, you know, one of the things that we, we have a good time uh, here on the, on the podcast and you, you walk into the shop and there's a really positive vibe. Um, you know, a lot of good people working there, um, and some, some good interactions going on. But one of the things I do know, like when you work or when you come in contact with people like Nathan or Tani or, you know, um, Jaron, Megan, you know, anyone else, uh, in the shop, uh, Brian Blair, sorry, Brian, um, <laughs> uh, these folks, um, what you'll see is that there's a, a very solid work ethic. And so it's as, as good of a time as mountain biking is a good a time we have here on the podcast. Like one of the things that, um, we, we make hard work look easy and fun, which it can be. And it is, yeah. but time passes fast when time passes really quickly when you're working hard and having fun. Exactly. Yep. So, so come ready to, to learn a lot, to, to put in a hard day's work and, and enjoy what you're doing. It'll, it'll be awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Tani, how do, how do we, um, get in contact with you about submitting a, a resume or experience? Email sales at the pathbikeshop.com. Great. Same place that you'd email questions, uh, on the podcast, uh, yep. mail your, mail your, a resume, a cover letter, uh, a little bit about yourself and expressing interest in the full-time tech positions. That is great. I'm going to give a little. I'm going to give a little um, job seeking advice. I would say always follow up on your resume. Sometimes I won't even call you back if you don't follow up. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's always good to have uh, insights from from the hiring managers. Well, and a good a good positive, not pesky, bugging follow up is a good skill. Yes. Don't. Clear difference. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, when you, you know, your email hopefully is well written um, and uh, your experience is well articulated. Yeah. Actually, a little, little story. Um, I, one of my first jobs I ever had came as a result of um, what I, I guess was non pesky, but uh, um, affirmative follow up. I, Sent in a, an application and, you know, I, I called maybe once a week, I'd follow up and talk to the manager. And after about the third time, this is maybe three weeks or a month later, he, he told me, he said, hey, I don't even have a position for you, but you've called a few times. I, I like, you know, you're very, always very pleasant. I'm going to hire you part-time. There you go. So Nice. You know, I mean, it's a pretty good sign that if you can sell yourself to get hired, you could probably sell a bike or two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. Or whatever it is you're selling. Yep. So, yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, I would totally affirm what Tawny says, and uh, I'm sure Nathan does, too. Yeah. 
So, man, so we spent some time off air uh, this evening getting pretty stoked on uh, new bikes. Uh, some of these have actually already come into the shop. Like, yeah. Man, like uh, all the major brands, maybe not all, but a lot of the major brands are coming out with uh, some amazing new bikes. Uh, and some of them are already in the shop. Some of them uh, we are actually already riding, like the Tall Banana 3 that I just started riding this past week. Actually, That's, that's right. Even, Eric's Yellow Tall Boy. Yep, yep. Yellow Tall Boy. How rad is that thing? Oh, my gosh. We, we've got to talk Goodness about it Goodness gracious. Oh, man. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, it, so. Are you still entertaining how to keep your 5010 <laughs> in your fleet? <laughs> uh, I, I am, and you're like, it, it's a challenge. <laughs> Let's table that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the new arrival that hasn't come in yet that I'm the most excited about is the new Reaper from Rocky Mountain. Oh, dang. I've been begging everyone that will listen in the industry to make a better full suspension, 24-inch wheeled kids bike, and Rocky Mountain did it. Man. Or at least on paper. It looks really good. I EP'd one for my son, Obi, already. I mean, it's on order. Hopefully it comes soon. Um, I think we got demo bikes on order. For the mm-hmm. first time ever, we have kids' demo bikes on order. Oh my gosh! That's nice. how ex- that's how excited I am about this product. You know, that's I think that's a pretty good move because that's I mean that's something that it's not like you can try another bike or like you can ride your buddy's bike. This is kind of a new defining category. It's like this: the transition ripcord, and it drops off sharply from there. Right. The transition ripcord, I think, is maybe in the ballpark. I think I'm hoping this is. I think this is going to be lighter. Okay. Um, and it has the adjustable geometry of the ride. I believe it's a ride four now instead of a ride nine, but I'm not, I'd have to double check that. But the adjustable geometry with the, you know, little chips that you can move around on the shock mounts. Right, right. And it, it looks like a little instinct or, or altitude. Yeah. And you can run 24 or 26 inch wheels on it, and it's coming spec both ways. Nice. So I'm thinking the real baller move is you buy the one with the 26-inch wheels for your kid who's ready for 24-inch wheels, mm-hmm. and you buy a 24-inch wheel set, and then you keep that 26-inch wheel set for when your kid grows into it. Nice. And the one that comes with the 26-inch wheels costs a few hundred bucks more. It has a few has like a little nicer parts, and then it'll last longer, and it's, it's, it's like a nice black. Man, it's a better-looking one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That thing is... Black with the um like that that turquoise blue graphics. Yeah. So the twenty four inch wheeled one is the same frame, but it's red. Mm-hmm. And that's the one I got my son Obi, and I think he's going to like it. We'll probably put the twenty six inch wheels on it when he. I'm I'm going the opposite way from what I recommend doing. Right. For whatever. I don't even know why. I can't even justify it. I well, just maybe your son. I likes, made a flash choice today. Maybe your son <laughs> likes the red that that red color because I know red is kind of his style. I would like if my if my boys were of this size and age, they would have wanted the red one for sure. Like a Power Ranger. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Like the red Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that thing looks ripping, man. And that black that black looks awesome, by the way. as a, as a We were thinking even some really, really shorter... Men and women might like the twenties. Like I, that with the I was going to ask wheels. a question: Is that at what at what height would an ad, adult? I'm start saying to consider somewhere just a little under five feet, like a like a four like my eleven. Mother. Okay. My mother is four eleven. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking: is that at what point does this come into the fray? Because it's it's basically a freshly designed twenty six inch bike, which there is not a lot of them out there. 
Right. And it's one by. And it, yeah, one <laughs> one by eleven. It looks like I'm looking at the Reaper. Um, I was trying to get the full spec. It looks like a pretty high end fork. With the twenty six inch wheels, it's a decent fork, and with the twenty four inch wheels, it's more of a steel stanchion type fork. It's still decent. Yeah, yeah, it's still going to work. It's just going to be a little, little. It's bit still an percent. actual damped fork and not just a bumper. Right, exactly. Don't fear the reaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing looks killer. So, while we're still on Rocky Mountain, what else is coming out from Rocky? Slayer, the Slayer. Slayer. Oh dang! So I want to I want to kind of preface this by saying I think this is an example of a new newish or revisited genre of bike that we haven't seen a lot of in the industry in the last few years. Right, right. And it's that. So we've had a lot of kind of one sixty travel, sixty five degree head angle, meant for a one sixty fork shredder bikes. Right, and there has been this kind of lingering question of like, what do you have that's a little more DH than that, but not a downhill bike. Right. Right. And by pretty much every metric from head angle to travel, you name it, the Slayer answers that question. Right. 64 and three quarter degree head angle, 170 travel. And it's also the answer to that question. Like what's a frame that would inspire me to buy like a Fox float 36, 170 or a Lyric 170. Yeah. Because those forks have been out for, a year, year, maybe two years. And, you know, you could put a 170 fork on like a process. The only bike I feel like that's been out for a little while that really fills this category the way I'm talking about. The Nomad. Well, the the Intensity. Oh, interesting. Ah, yeah. yeah, The Nomad is, it's very, very close. And so I would say the Nomad and the Rain are the two more mainstream options Mm -hmm. that are the furthest along on this spectrum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they're a quarter degree steeper head angle. They're like right. three plus millimeters less travel. Right. And just the overall, every single design trade off seems to fall that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And this takes all of the, the Slayer with 165 rear travel. Man, that, that it thing. Was, it's not 170. Maybe I'm confusing it with the new Firebird, which we also have in stock, which is 170, which also, to the, me, is another one of these bikes. The Slayer's 165 on the rear, but it's coming spec with a 174. Gotcha, and right. I think the difference is the um, the Nomads, if I remember correctly, for at least a while, or maybe in this last generation, yeah, way, maybe, right. they always got spec with a 160 Pike and not yeah. like a 170 Lyric right. or 170 36. Well, and if I had to guess, if I get out my crystal ball, I think the Nomad is going to move in this direction for the next iteration, whenever that might come. Yeah, absolutely. That That's where I would lay money down. The new nomads are going to get specced with 170 lyrics it's, or 170, 36. It's got to differentiate harder from the Bronson. Yes. And historically it was the burliest, baddest non DH platform. And it has to maintain that. Right. Right. And it really might move there maybe with a little longer reach than Moving into that same in the same direction that the Tallboy Three and the Fifty. Yeah, one movie. could only ex- assume that it would be five millimeters longer than the longest existing Santa Cruz, which has yep. been the pattern with each new release. Interesting, right. and right. that would make it five millimeters longer than the new Tallboy. Yep, yeah, and still a little shorter than the new processes. Um, Those, the processes are amazing bikes, by the way. Can yeah, say that again. They're still I, still solid bikes. I yeah. really liked what you guys were talking about in the last episode about how 
carbon holds back geometry progression and how Kona has p- pushed geometry progression through the use of aluminum. Well, right. I don't know if you guys got to the second part of what I just said in the last episode, no, that, but I think it was yeah. inferred. Yeah, that's what we're getting at. It's essentially, um, yeah, when, when you make that investment into carbon, you you have you have to lock in that geometry for a certain amount of time. You're financially invested to that geometry. Where it's two things: the the tooling up and the testing takes longer. Yep, and the investment in that tooling up is higher. Yeah, so you have to amortize it over a longer period with more sales. Yes. Um, man, I'm looking at this Firebird. Bitching. Oh my gosh, bitching! And it's absolutely part of this new move. This new new age yeah. or or kind of current i don't want to say new because there's been lots of 170 bikes that like i think i like the iron horse seven point and many many 170 bikes that came with burly forks and 180 forks even you know i think the one that was kind of that was a little bit pioneering in this in this space that um didn't get a lot of attention because it was really just designed for the racers was the gt sanction because they that was for a while that was like frame only it was super dh it would pop up in reviews every now and again but it had to be custom built up yeah that um, and the intense uzi yeah and the intense uzi yeah which we have a frame in stock it's bitching it's purple i saw it yeah it's rad um the other thing i and this is totally plagiarizing from what i was reading on pink bike today but the uh, one of the things to watch out for on the slayer is that they really bumped up the stack not just the reach. So the stack it actually um, escalates um, at a more consistent rate um, as the sizes go up. So in other words, the head tubes are getting longer. Tall handlebars. Tall handlebars. And it's... And but not compared to like a 29er of any no. type. Not compared to... It's, it's, a all, it's a very relative statement. Well, I think it's in when I was uh, reading the article, it was it sounded like it was to compensate for seeing so many of their riders running a, a you know twenty to thirty millimeters of uh, spacer. Well, and you know what? I'd ra- from an aesthetic standpoint, I'd rather have a long head tube and a negative rise stem than a short head tube and a positive rise stem. Any day of the week, I'm with you there. <laughs> I mean, I think anyone who's who's really got a strong sense of bike aesthetic is pretty much in agreement on that one. Yeah, yeah you can only yeah, go so sure. high to where you look at your stem, bike and you kind of cringe. Stems that point up are associated with casual riding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is true. Maybe you could put a flat DH bar on that Slayer. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Nathan, uh, and I, Nathan and I were just talking about yeah. this. So this weekend, I, I on Friday, I went over to Ox House. To, um, we had a build party to build his uh, banana bike, his new uh, yellow tall boy. And um, it came with flat, fairly wide bars. And I was just saying, for some reason, I have an aversion to flat bars on anything but an XC race bike. And, um, so a lot of, a lot of these like, uh, you know, tw- aggressive 29ers that are running relatively flat bars and Santa Cruz specs, the, uh, tall boy and the high tower with them. Some, for some reason, I just have a aesthetic aversion to it. That that's total, totally it. Like if a bar doesn't have at least 20 millimeters of distinct rise to it, it looks off to me. Strictly an aesthetic thing. I both agree and disagree because there was that period when 29 was dominant, where like the flat bar was the statement of being in the no. Yes. Because with a 29, you, most people actually need a flat. 
or many people actually need a flat bar. Now, at the same time, you have to understand that my opinion is coming from the distinctly taller guy in the room. <laughs> right. And, and I'm almost always in a size higher. And stack doesn't... Like, when I jumped on Ock's bike, it, after we built the bike, I let Ock take the inaugural ride. <laughs> right, right. And then I said, hey, can I pedal it around for a minute? And... Um, That's right. So uh, I I pedaled it around, and just feeling the bar-to-saddle ratio was... I was like, wow, these bars are really high compared to where my butt is. But all the bikes that I've ever ridden, it always feels the other way around. So I chase a different proportion. Well, I would say that your saddle height is further from average than your actual height. And bar height is relative to saddle height. And that's a lot of what you're. I think you're experiencing is... Because you you have long legs and your saddle height is high, the bars have to get higher to be in the same. In or, well, it all comes down to drop from saddle to bars. Right, right. And like when I jumped on Ox bike, it felt like the, it almost felt like the bars were above the saddle to me. Or in my case, my bars are above the saddle. Yeah. Right. And for me, it's almost impossible to get a bike to do that. <laughs> in, in the fit world, we refer to that as negative drop. Ah, Okay. But yeah, for a guy my height and running the amount of um, you know saddle height that I have to run, it's like forget it. it's it's nearly impossible to get there. So it, I tend to I think in general adapt to bikes slightly differently than people. Shorter. Well, I remember many years ago with twenty six, you and I talking about how smart Kona was making for making really long head tubes for this. Right. It's part of the same discussion we're having right now. Exactly. Yeah. Circa two thousand three. <laughs> so I just want to circle back and and reiterate all bearings on the new slayer including upper shock mount including upper shock mount yep oh man and di and has a really cool di2 battery pocket oh is that right i did not yeah it has a has a really nicely designed di2 battery holder pocket thing so we ordered those for demo too oh wow sick definitely have to take that out on a demo ride and we have fire pivot firebirds in stock now. I think that's going to be a a real legitimate competitor to the Slayer and re- maybe dominating that segment as well. It looks really good. Have you guys seen it? Uh, which one again? The new pivot firebird. Oh yeah, I'm yep. looking at it right now. Very good looking bike. Very good geometry. <laughs> you know what's pretty- not a lot to complain about. Yeah, you know what's very interesting. The color schemes on the pivot are the same as the Reaper. Oh wow, that's right, <laughs> blue and red, black with the turquoise. Blue oh yeah, and the red. wow, <laughs> it's really close. Good call, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, one seventy, and you know what? Hats off to Pivot. I, I, I gotta say, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at their numbers right now and their their reach numbers, and their totally on point those guys totally finally got it right um there was a while when you know pivot has always made good bikes but from a geometry standpoint i'd kind of mentally written them up written them off until the switchblade and this new firebird and i'm like oh guys are on they're on point yeah force on a large the reach is four four sixty five four sixty five and that that metric for me is always where does it compare to the original Kona process and that's and for me it's 460 on yeah. a large and they're yeah. 465 great those guys are moving in the right direction and for me it's it's on a medium and it's barbarian units at 17 inches <laughs> it's uh-huh. so in this but case it's the it's, same it's basically the same language yeah right it's, it's and it's 17.5 on a medium it's half an inch longer on a medium than the process 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that for me is like exceeding my needs. It's good. I like it. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of interesting for with the reach that long, you start getting into that. We've kind of had this conversation with the reach that long. You, you do, do you start getting into a situation where the stem can't be short enough? It's possible, but I, I actually don't think so. Because I suspect that you and I are going to like that reach with about a 45-50. Right. I think we're going to feel like we're finally in a great pedaling position on an enduro bike. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, for for me on the yeah for me on the process, I'm running a, yeah, I think you're right. Can always size down. <laughs> and, if we, and if I could go to a small, small. I'd be thrilled. The small is 16.5. Four That's, inch reach. It's very close which to reach. I used to think that was acceptable before I had better options. Yeah, I mean that's very similar to very similar to um half inch shorter than the original uh process. Right. Medium. But to your STEM question, let let's just say hypothetically, you were at the seventeen point five inch reach on a medium and you determined that was too long and you had to run, say, a forty millimeter stem. The, the delta is about 25 millimeters, you would go to a 65 millimeter stem on a small, right. still an acceptable stem length. On almost any bike, maybe not on a bike with a float 170 or a lyric on it. Fair enough, fair right. enough. Right. There so is that, that P-Dent, uh, didn't Placenti make the P-Dent 35 millimeter right. stem well, and bar combo? I, so I, think I we had don't this like running too short. I feel like it help, it limits my ability to weight the front wheel and mm. And I know for a fact, I, I think I could probably adapt. Okay. But but it definitely was a learning curve for me when I've tried to run much shorter than 50. Okay. Like I, I can run a 45 without a lot of weird feelings, but when I run like a 40 or a 35, I feel like I start getting front wheel washouts. And I have okay. to get my chest out over the handlebars to stop it, which is a weird feeling. Right. Got it. Okay. Right, right. Interesting. I never thought we'd see the day when we're debating the actual fit values of 40 versus 60 millimeter stems. <laughs> yeah. It's so short. Which is weird, but it, and it's probably largely a function, like my love of the 32 tooth ring of just bias and prejudice and, 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 and habit. But I just feel like a 50 mil stem might be kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, I, I agree. It is kind of, it's basically the bikes are coming out to length to, match up with an appropriate riding position with a 50 millimeter stem. I hope so. I think that's what I, that would be my ask with my current understanding of my own needs. Yeah. Well, you know, the, we, we, I think we've had this conversation before, but the, uh, the, the process comes with a 35 millimeter stem. Does it really? I thought that was a 40. No, it's a 35. We've it, had the conversation. No way. Yes. Have we had this conversation before? <laughs> okay. And we actually looked and you don't need to dent the, and you don't it's, do go. Oh, that's right. We did the numbers and tube on tube is 35, right? Or 34 or right, something right, like right, that. Right, right, yeah, so yeah, yeah, okay. so yeah, so anyways. But yeah, so I actually ride my medium process with the 35. I should try it with the 50 and see how that feels. I swore that thing was a 40. I know. <laughs> Check the numbers. I would guess that you, based, based on the fact that, I, I would guess that you'd be more comfortable pedaling and descending with the 50. You know what? And I that's might, just a hypothesis, and it's I wouldn't want to like go no, out too far on a limb with that. No, but I seriously, like, might try that. What is the, the response variable? Ox happiness factor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, the pedaling... Well, and the descending, that, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, so, my goodness, so Slayer, Firebird, um, 
Slayer class new entering into the new the new school class of super enduro slash park slash mini dh yes i like i like mini dh mini dh or like pedalable dh or like almost dh or something whatever it is it's I, like i think more, it's full monty enduro full monty full monty enduro i like <laughs> that <laughs> yeah it's kind of like my dare from the It's like the EWS process. class. That's that's kind of what it is. It's like full EWS class. Super gnar, you still have to pedal. Yes. Yeah. It should it should have a letter like the, you know, like a like the Navy has like the Nimitz class like destroyer. It's like the EWS class enduro bike. <laughs> uh, I like it. I like it. You you know, I wonder if I went back and and found that um that dare <laughs> oh man 68 degree head angle was that a 68 <laughs> it was so slack. Was, I think it was 68 it was dangerous <laughs> I think it was dangerous man but that like that that um, anno kind of swirl fade yeah, thing they dude. did that was pretty I love they it. would dip it and my understanding was they would dip it in the anno and then they would dip it in a different anno and air put an air gun on it like compressed air and just blow it around and swirl it up Oh wow, that was a, so not not any two were alike. It was it like smoke. A, yeah, it was like a fingerprint. Yeah, it was unique. Was... Each one was unique. Wow, I'm gonna go. Out, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit a, an intentional gr- grammar error here and say they were very unique. <laughs> <laughs> nice breaking the rules with authority exactly. right there. Yeah. So what was the elsewhere that you had when I was writing that, Derek? You had a dare, and I had the rogue. The rogue, that's right. I I had one of the, like I must have had rogue number two or three or something. I think the serial <laughs> it didn't number, have a serial number, right? No, it was a hand engraved hand serial engraved, number, like an etcher, and the, and the down tube was welded crooked, um, <laughs> and it had a twenty millimeter rear axle. So I think the theory was someone was going to make a hub for this, and no one ever did. <laughs> so the bike only ever lived on, with adapters. Well, and they <laughs> shipped it with this like three pound steel bolt to hold the rear hub on, if I remember correctly. Correct. The rear the rear axle was a twelve millimeter through axle, so they literally it was like a McMaster right. car twelve millimeter <laughs> bolt. I, I remember we sourced some alloy bolts nut. for our customers You're to right. save them like like literally hundreds of grams, <laughs> like close to a pound. But let yeah. me say this, Nathan on that Rogue display. I saw the most impressive display of riding in any given day on one of the historic local trails is that the bike you hit the cave drop on nathan it was the cave drop i hit a couple other notable drops so i'm not on that that one on that one run nathan hit every extra credit drop on this trail it was a sight to behold without going too deep into the unmentionables i'm just gonna say when i first rolled up to the cave drop i immediately reassured myself that i never had to try it Yeah, this was uh, that day we rolled in, and I don't know what it was, but Nathan was filling his oats. And it's only like maybe a five to six inch drop, but the entry is super foot, technical. Foot, 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 or, foot. I'm sorry, foot. Five to six foot drop, but the entry is super technical. The landing is super technical. Both are very steep, and it feels like you're going to like just end up in space. Like It looks right. like you're launching, and all you see in front of you and below you is sky. And you're like creeping through this section that you can barely control your bike on and then hucking it and then landing on a section that you can barely control your bike on. And if you're yeah. 
if you really huck it, it could go from six feet to 20 feet real easy because it's a steep landing. Yes. Because I think Nathan probably was was more in the, like, 12 to 15 foot you, on that on I would that say drop. riding that drop properly, it's going to turn into that. Yeah, for sure. and that was... It was a big drop. It was a big... And people have broken hips. People have, like, literally changed their lives. Yeah, it's a that, life changer. Say hello, Frenchie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the same day, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> so on that on that again, we're on that trail, there are the regular lines are gnarly, and so I was on my dare. Nathan was on his rogue, and I was riding the regular lines, and just <laughs> major pucker factor. But every probably what three or four of the the sections have extra credit. <laughs> Yeah, like drop lines. Drop lines. And once Nathan, the cave drop is towards on the upper third of this trail. Mm-hmm. And Nathan hit that one and it must have, it must have turbocharged him. Yeah. <laughs> because every, every extra credit drop line, it was something out of a movie. <laughs> so was, that was a good day. That was a good day. On that, on that rogue tube with the, <laughs> yeah off center down to well man i can't yeah it, but but at the same time i mean the rogue was a weird bike but it was a bona fide eight inch travel bike yeah and i had an eight inch travel triple uh, marzocchi triple eight fork yep. on it yep well that's how the the dare was set up like that as well except it ended up with a slightly steeper head angle yeah, yeah it was you know triple crown and a sonic double wall yep. riser bar yeah, solid choice for the time. Yes, solid <laughs> choice for the time. Well, like seven twenty. Seven twenty. I think that was, was wide. We, can, we used to think that was wide. Yep. Seven twenty. That was that was a lot of upsweep. Lots of upsweep. Lots. Remember how much upsweep that bar? Blue had? Yeah. The two I remember and a half just and being so used to that bar and getting on different bars. And if it had like say five degrees of upsweep, I felt like it had downsweep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I'm I'm still kind of scarred by that bar because I I use the FSA gravity bar, which has the most upsweep I've been able to find on a modern 318 bar, and I'm like fix it. Like I have nothing but that bar in my garage. On I my, have a few of those like in my personal air collections of just like memorabilia. Oh, uh, double walls. Like yeah. Nice. I mean, it was such a classic. The blue anno. I had a blue. They had blue, red, you had the red, black, anno, it could turn pink after a while. Yes. Yep, yes. exactly. Yes. Getting one and a half, two or two and a half inches rise. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh man, I think I had a two and a half inch rise one on a dirt jumper. I time. can't tell you how many different people were building their first single speed, and I told them how they needed a really, really, really wide bar. <laughs> and I on a double wall. <laughs> yeah, those. those Gosh, yeah, those those. Can, I, I, can you imagine if we had had like eight hundred millimeter bars back in our single speed days? That would have been awesome. It, I think that would have been good. I think it my back been might have felt better at times. You know, like so. <laughs> anyways, we digress a little. Yes. Um, so other, nostalgic. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. I loved it. That was a great trip. So um, <laughs> let's see, uh, new bikes. I mean, we covered Intense the, recluse. Oh my gosh, and, this is maybe this is another one I'm really excited about. Yeah. Yep, Intense is coming out with... So all the new models coming out from Intense, the Primer and the Recluse, have collets with angular contact bearings in the upper two shock links, and the bearings are inside the link. And the very upper... Well, the very upper bear pivots are still not collets, but they've made the threads finer, so they won't back out as easily. Right. It's uh, They're in... 
in some of their design cues are getting closer to Santa Cruz and Santa Cruz has had their, their pivot system dialed pretty good for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So these, like the recluse, for example, it's what is that? 140 on the rear, um, 140 rear, 150 front. front. I would say for the recluse is a, an answer to a question I get a lot, which is what's kind of in between a 5010 and a Bronson. Yep. And now it's the recluse. And it's right in between. 140 travels right in between the 5010 and the Bronson. 66 and a half degree head angle right in between the, the 56, according to the page. 66? 66, yeah. Huh, maybe I got my numbers wrong. Let me see. Let me make sure I'm looking at the 66 right head tube angle. Yeah, the right okay, so it's the same as Bronson. And yeah. 75 a sec- effective seat tube angle. Very steep. Oh, very steep. With a 460 reach on the large and a 438 on the medium, which is 17 and a quarter, 17.3. Is it 16 and a half chain stays? Um, yeah. Yes. 16 and a half. That's a nice number. Oh, I like that number. A, that's a good number. 419 millimeter. That's very compelling. That's almost enough to make me accept the 17 and three quarter seat tube as I measured it. What does it say on the same website? Uh, seat tube on, on a medium. A medium. Yeah, 17 and a half. 17.6. To 17.6. me, it was a little more than that, according to my tape. Ah, uh, okay. But, I believe it. But, so if you have shortish legs, that's going to be the drawback on this bike. You may have to go to a 125 millimeter dropper. I would, I would have to run, I almost might be able to run a 150 with a saddle with a low rail profile. Ah, uh, okay. Man. Fully hilted. Fully, fully hilted. <laughs> Not even room for a zip tie. <laughs> <laughs> the um, bottom bracket height is uh, 13 and a half on that. Mm. That's good. That's good. A little tall with the one for, for a 140. Graphic. That is a little tall. A little bit I tall. mean, it. I wonder if that's higher than a trance. To me, this is a bike that like you're looking at a trance and this is going to be the other one you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah, the it's the boutique version of the trance, essentially. Like if you're if you're kind of like ah, I don't want to get the main one of the big three. I don't want to buy a bike from the big three. Yeah, and the new trances are here too. Man, the new trances. Oh man, I I gotta say for a budget bike though. Speaking of the new trances, that trance too is so much bike for the buck. Twenty seven hundred bucks, and it's ready to go. So last year it was one of our best. I would say last year the Trans Two was our best selling single model of all time, and tons of great feedback. And the new one, the new Trans Two, is the same price. It goes from two by ten to one by eleven. It gets the trunnion mount with a better, higher volume shock, longer reach, five millimeter lower bottom bracket, shorter chain stays, slacker head angle, all the same price. You get all these improvements. From a bike that was already industry leading in its class, yeah, I I uh, I recommended that bike to a coworker today, and someone was said, "What about the stance?" I was like, "If you can afford it, get the Trance too." I was like, "It's it's more that bike is is so ready to go. That bike is ready to race. Yeah, like, I would, would race all that happily bike. ride yeah, that bike for sure. Yeah, comes with a dropper post. It's one by. It checks a lot of boxes. And currently, it comes with my favorite dropper post." The in the the new generation. Uh, I'm coming yeah, around to your. Giant. I'm coming around to your thinking on this. I mean, even price aside, it seems to be as reliable or more reliable than anything out there. And when it fails, the cartridge is the easiest to replace and the cheapest. And we have them in stock most of the time. Yeah, and the clamp system. Um, I really like the clamp. is very stable, very easy to adjust with a five millimeter 
um, Allen wrench. Um, the the it's kind of hard to explain, but a lot of clamp designs don't nest very well between the top and the upper the upper clamp and the lower clamp. That design it's solid. It nests together properly. It doesn't want to walk or wander or creep. Um, I think or the creak. ones yeah I think the ones that are a little bit more susceptible to this are the old school gravity dropper. I think doesn't have the best clamp design. And the KS are somewhat separate. So the KS, you really have to torque very carefully. The Giant's just kind of like... The Giant and the RockShock, I think, have very good clamp designs. What's the front and back infinitely adjustable tilt system, kind of like the original Thompson? Yes. But but I think the key is how those upper, lower clamps nest together. And some of the brands have them just completely separate. You can hit the checkpoints that I just said and still get it wrong. Yes. Right. if, if, If it doesn't have a good fit and a good... It's not well executed. And but the giant I, I the one caveat to the giant that I like is I I use the gravity dropper branded or the gravity dropper lever. Yes. With the the giant seat post, but and it's so smooth. It's so, so smooth. Brian our buyer and I were talking about this today and I mentioned how I loved the giant dropper post but thought the lever was a a little less than perfect in ergonomics. And then someone in the shop pointed out that it's Almost an exact match of the Fox dropper post lever. Uh, and that no one's complaining about it from Fox. Ah, uh, okay. But but Brian also pointed out that there's a wolf tooth adapter yes. module piece that you can run uh, with, yes. the, with the giant dropper post that's about 20 bucks and it really makes it clean. Uh, it turns it the other the other yeah, direction. Puts it below. Yep. Um Yeah, so I, I I really like that dropper. It's a hundred bucks less. It's a hundred to one hundred and fifty bucks less than than a KS Levin Tegra or a Reverb Stealth. Yeah. yeah, and and fairly easy to set up and can be run external. Did we already mention yes. that? It can no, be external or just, internal. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So if you're if you're looking to retrofit an older bike that doesn't have internal routing, so just yeah. um, you can change it for external routing. The one thing that would make me get a reverb over that over the giant dropper post is if I could make if I could find a bike where there was room for me to run a 170 drop. Yeah. And reverbs are the only ones making 170s right now. A- of anything mainstream. Yeah. Even or even close. Yeah, the tall banana is not not even close. Fully hilted very close to With fully 150. Hilted. Yeah. <clears throat> At least we can get that on the old tall boys. We had to do one twenty five, almost that fully is, hilted. Yes, very much so. Yep. So uh, yeah, so we touched on new bikes and what have you. Sorry, can we? Did we say that the new Trans Twos and Threes are here and demo bikes? Uh, we kind of say that. Yeah, we were we were talking about the Trans. We kind of got off on the tangent on the Trans Trans Two. But I'm pretty excited about the Trans Twos and the Trans Threes and and the demo bikes and sale bikes are ready to go. And you can come get one on sale this weekend. Oh man, fifty? How mm, he won't say, but yeah, you can come get one on sale. You might man, be able to get fifty percent off on one. That Trans Three is twenty one hundred dollars. Yeah, same frame, Charging mount, sick geo. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> remember how we used to talk about it in, in some of our earlier shows? We were talking about what bike we'd do a test. Like you, you've got. You buy it stock and you ride it for three months. Oh, the budget challenge? The budget challenge. Yeah. I wonder if the Trans 3 is that bike. 
Oh my gosh, no dropper pose. I want it to be the Trans 2. I know, but this the Trans, Trans 2 could be that bike, except it almost wouldn't be a challenge. It would just be like, <laughs> this is just as good as my bike almost. Exactly. Yeah. It's I like, just want to go ride it. It's like, hey, <laughs> this bike rips. So that's not a budget bike challenge. No, it's not a it's That's not what's a amazing is that, you know, again, $2,700. It is spendy if, if you're just getting into the sport. $2,700 sounds like a lot of money, and which it is. Um, but that's a, a pretty darn good value. You know, I, I guess we should fill the listeners in on this. I, I don't think this is something, the discussion we actually brought out mainstream, but we should elaborate a little bit on the budget bike challenge and the budget bike challenge, which it was, it was, it's still just a brainstorming activity, but it was, what if all three of us committed to, it was a three to six month period of running a thousand dollar or less hardtail as is off the floor we could not change anything unless it broke and we had to run it for everything for six months i think if i remember correctly the closest we came to a plan is we were all going to get a cone of blast yep. and we could each put two hundred dollars yeah it yeah i think or yeah, something that's- and, and that's like that's real real dollars. And and Octi <laughs> had to dollars. commute on it. I had to go do a race on it. Like we had to yeah. do. Dude, that would be it was awesome. it was like the only bike. <laughs> right. Like if I need to go ride PGs one day, that's the bike I I've got. That's you have one bike, oh, and you have to nurture it and clean it, and like that has As to be your baby. Your, and you have and you had two hundred dollars. So what would you do with two hundred dollars? So if right. listeners, if you like this idea, let us know. Maybe maybe we still won't do it. Maybe we will. <laughs> Give us your suggestions. <laughs> it's well, and and for me, kind of doing some races from time to time, and it's uh for me, it'd be easier to do it in the off season. So we are coming up on winter, but yeah, basically we're gonna get these bikes, ride them as if it was our only bike in existence, and then um, the one bike to do it all, right? The one one bike to do it all in, on a budget. And usually, like when we talk about one bikes to do it all, we we do talk more in terms of like could be a trance, right? Could, Three thousand on up is kind of our exactly our dollar our retail price range. Could but be like a fifty ten, I almost consider this this you know the budget bike challenges is the tornado challenge or the natural disaster challenge. Like your house just got nuked, yep, and some natural disaster you lost everything. But you can't stop mountain biking. <laughs> you need something. The natural disaster challenge, yeah. It's the natural disaster challenge. We should call it that instead of the budget bike. But so do you think man, so that so the blast was a twenty seven five. Yeah, the the Kona it would yeah, our original budget bike challenge was gonna be a hardtail. Yeah. It was gonna be a thousand dollar hardtail, but Kona was the one that had progressive geometry down to those levels and yeah. that's why we were looking at the the kona blast and also once upon a time very long time ago if you bought a ford focus you got a free kona blast <laughs> <laughs> so i wonder though man with the advent or with a little bit more uh, prevalence of the like the plus sizes yeah, well, we haven't really seen a lot of thousand dollar plus size. Yeah, that's hard true. Tents. They're they're a little bit more spendy. Keep your eye out for twenty seventeens. We pre booked some from Rocky Mountain. The new Kona unit is plus size. A new trend I see us maybe going in for the like sub thousand dollar bikes is instead of stocking mostly twenty ers and maybe having the option of putting some plus size wheels on them. We're going to stock some plus size bikes that you could put twenty nine inch wheels on. Ooh. Ooh, interesting. Well, I mean, we've had so this discussion. So that's the new Rocky Mountain Growler. That's the new okay. Coney unit. 
Um, but both bikes that are going to come with plus wheels, but work great with 29. Excellent. Excellent. So speaking of like plus versus standard size wheels, a couple shows back, we had talked about it. Maybe we, maybe this topic for later discussion. We had talked about, I'm not sure if we talked about this online. Do, do wide rims, like 30 mil interior rims, roll slower than like the equivalent uh, narrower? Oh, you're going back to so this was this was Tani's discussion when you you spec you. Put this is some, my thesis. Yeah, thesis. Or, or I would say maybe it's my my hypothesis. Right. It was when you built your process 153. Or or it's my it's somewhere between hypothesis and and personal observation that made yeah. me subject yeah. to bias. Yeah, anecdotal anecdotal evidence. Yeah, totally. So, it the observation was. Like riding, uh, I think it was your 153. You had 30, 30 mil. I think it first popped into my head when when Nathan and I did the Gabe's. Okay. And I was riding my 5010, and I was just I w- I was noticing that I felt like when when we were in coasting sections, my bike was rolling a lot fast, like like a lot faster. And then it popped back into my head when I got. 29 mil internal rims on my 153 and I went on some rides and in coasting sections I felt like my bike was rolling a lot slower than some of the people I was riding with. So what made me think about this again was I again riding the riding the the tall banana uh this this weekend in its first two rides uh it's in 29er um, 29er configuration. Normal mode. Normal mode. So you can also ride it in uh, 27 plus. Uh, and so I've got in 29er, I've got Arc 24s, Race Face Arc 24s, by the way, not Easton. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Side note all mountain bike product from the Race Face Easton conglomerate will now be known as Race Face. All road product will be known as Easton. So what what they were doing is they were making almost the same product side by side with different labels, and now they're they're streamlining their operation. Right, Easton's yeah. Road, Raceface Mountain. Yep. So the Arc Arc series of rims used to you know I think when I got my fifty ten had Easton on it. Uh, now like I the Arc twenty fours come with uh, Raceface. So anyways, it's the it's the Raceface uh, Arc twenty fours, and my fifty ten. Has uh, thirty, I think, internal measurement uh, speed tuned rims on them. That's right. Yep, it's got the same rear tire again, twenty seven five versus twenty nine, but same rear tire. It's the um, Ardent Race and different front tire. I've got the Magic Mary on the on the fifty ten, and I've got a DHF uh, two on the uh, DHF two or DHF on the um, on the Tallboy. But I will say this again: twenty nine er. You could make the maybe an argument that it rolls a little faster, but noticeably, anecdotally, feels like it's rolling faster. Interesting. So we're not sure if it's the wheel size or the rim width, or the front tire, or the front tire. I think it's a little bit of all those things, except maybe the front tire. I'm not. I, I I'm not tracking that metric closely enough to comment. So I was just thinking, like the, the the pattern on the Magic Mary versus the pattern on the DHF. So, looking at the DHF and looking at the Magic Mary, the DHF has a little narrower uh, center ridge knobs on it that maybe 
could roll faster than on Magic Mary. Yeah. It doesn't have that. I could see that. So I could see all three of those things stacking up. The Magic Mary is probably one of the worst rolling tires in the industry. It could. That actually, (laughs) so that, the two things that came to mind more than the 27.5 versus the the 29 was the tread pattern of the Magic Mary versus the DHF Mm -hmm. and the, the wideness. Interesting. So anyways, it made me think about it. The tall boy and 29er um, configuration is pretty stellar. I'm going to take it a step further in terms of my kind of unconfirmed biased views. I kind of think that the wider rims give a an outcome that's the same as a lower tire pressure at the same time, given the same tire pressure. Mm. Same tire same tire pressure, wider rims, squishier tire. Right. And I think it, the reason is because it turns the whole system into a higher volume system. Although maybe that's, that, you know what, now that I think about it, that's backwards from my understanding of how these systems work. But I don't know. So basically, anecdotally, you're both saying that wider rims roll slower. It seems like it. That's it's squishier, squishier and slower. At, okay. at the same, or another way of saying what? What I actually what one of the things I experienced is that the thumb test, right? So it feels okay. I think part of it for me was actually looking back on it. A given tire, and this goes with my understanding of systems and and volumes and pressures. The wider rims feel like more pressure when you push down on them with your thumb at the same pressure. But if you run that pressure, it rolls like a lower pressure. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, no. Maybe. I, I could see that. And after you, you had mentioned this, where I think maybe it was you, someone had said, I almost feel like I'm losing confidence in my thumb test. Right. So I've got a pretty well calibrated thumb where I feel like if I'm, if I'm dealing with a system that I'm very familiar with, I can use my thumb and get within a few PSI of the pressure I'm going for. Yep. But when I went to the wider rims, I found myself consistently thinking I had about 28, 29 PSI and finding that I had about 22. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then it rolls like it's got about 22 or like crap. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's okay. interesting is after you said that... But the traction's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> after you said that, I noticed the same thing. I was riding my bike out at like doing the thumb doing the thumb test. And um, because you had mentioned that, I would do the thumb test and then I would, you know, go to put air in it or put my pump on it. And obviously you lose some pressure because of the hose and what have you, but like consistently lower than what I would have expected significantly, Mm. but not feeling like it was that much lower. So granted more, we we need, we need a little bit more testing, a little bit more riding. Um, We, we have, sorry, we haven't done any uh, really uh, clear tests on this, but as it stands now, which rim width would you guys, um, go with building a bike right now? Like what's been your favorite rim width? I'm still coming around to wider rims and getting used to the idea. But I think 
for an enduro type bike, maybe in that like 26 to 30 millimeter range for internal. Okay. Yeah, I think same thing. Maybe um, it, it, it depends on what the objective is. I think for that enduro style of riding, um, I think I'd be closer to maybe 28 to 30. Yeah, so I might agree with that. 30 uh, enduro, 25 trail? Yeah, that's where I'm 20, getting. Is 26 maybe like is 26. Because yeah. I, I sort of feel like the 24 is cool and everything on the, you know, but I really do feel like a little wider rim would be. Well, also sweet. stepping back, I think you can run narrow rims on bigger wheels. Okay, you're trading off contact patch the sides versus the front and the back. Yeah, that's how I'm seeing it. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, the 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 tw- arc twenty fours on the tall boy actually feel like they have decent volume as well. Well, it also goes to the it's fact that on a twenty nine, I don't like to run much more than a two two or two point three tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Because I think right now I'm running a two three and two two five or something like that. But on, on twenty seven and a half, I feel sketchy on less than a two three two four in the front. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. And the Magic Mary two three five is a legit two five. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the the Magic Mary I think measures out to like yeah two. It says two three five. I think it measures two four two three five. Oh, it's a legitimate. Maxis, yeah. yeah, Maxis seemed to always run small and. Schwalbe's seem to run true to size, if not a touch big. Continentals run huge. <laughs> right, right. I actually have a, a 2.5 uh, DHF uh, uh, XO. EXO. Uh, um, a double down? No, it's not double down. Oh, okay. 27 and a half. 27 and a half. So I might actually try putting that on the, on the 5010. I think I've said this before, but one of my big pitches on, one of my big kind of things I like about 29 and big wheels is that you can run really narrow, much narrower tires and still get the traction and stability, which leads to a fast rolling light tire casing. Interesting. You seem, it seems like you're getting a, a re um, reinvigoration of your love for 29. Cause I know you were super stoked about it long time ago. And then it, you were going 27, five for a while. And it seems like you have a, a re. Um, yeah. I never stopped loving 29 for, kind of 120 travel and less. Okay. And and maybe even up to 130. And I really feel like the 5010 type bike is a really legitimate platform of bike. Yep. But I think I've settled on the idea maybe that for me for that platform 29 is better. Ah, okay. Interesting. As, and part of it too is what's going on so when I was recovering from my ankle injury, it was a little bit hard for me to lean the bike over hard. And because of that, cornering a 29 is a little bit difficult. It, I would feel the torque on my ankle when I would lean the bike over really, really hard. And um, you do have to lean a 29 or over harder to turn it, I feel. Okay. So when when I what, in that phase of my riding, when I felt like I, I couldn't put a lot of torque on my ankle and I didn't want to have to lean the bike over as hard, 27 and a half made maybe more sense for me. And the big benefit of 27 and a half in my mind is that I can get a, a tall boy, say style bike with more travel. Okay. And still have, if you put 
140 millimeter fork on a 29er, I just, it become, I start to feel like it's a runaway truck. It's just a lot. It's a lot of steering trail. Yeah. It's a lot of lean. You got to lean it over really hard. It comes to life at a really high speed. But you can run a five, five and a half, six inch travel, 27 and a half, and still have great geometry and an agile bike. And to, so that right. to me is kind of the corner, the, 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 the turning point. Okay. Yeah, that's, I, sorry, I had to step away. <laughs> and, um, as I was leaving, you were talking about um, sound like maybe running a slightly less aggressive, uh, maybe narrower front tire or tires in general on a 29er versus a um, right and get and getting faster rolling and still getting maybe more traction. Right. So we, we kind of talked about, you know, maybe you guys picked up on it. Listeners might have picked up on it. I currently have a, a tall boy and a 5010. Uh, and both are the new geometries. And so I started thinking, you know, what really is the difference in those bikes? Um, obviously one's 27.5, one's, one's 29. Uh, tall boy, it's got 110 rear travel, 120 on the front. The 5010 has 125 and 140. And I really started thinking about, Maybe replacing that DHF front tire, which is 925, 925 grams with like an Arden race or something like that on the front, which is going to be lighter. On the 5010? On the, on the on tall the top. boy. Yeah. yeah, so what we what we were discussing when we were building it up is as a... As I think hanging out. a 900 gram tire. Yeah, the DHF front tire. Stock front tire, tire. Is a 925 gram front wow. tire. Far out. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so basically the discussion with, and this is something that comes up frequently is, um, or at least <laughs> in our circle of people is you get a lot of bikes and you start to, you get, you get a bike that's suddenly too close to an existing bike that you have. And then how do you keep the bike separate in, in their clear categories? So right now you have a lot of overlap, but so your option is make your tall boy lighter or make your 5010 heavier. And so you're leaning on lightening up the tall boy just a little bit. Well, it's tough because I mean, to the the in my mind, the tall boy is always going to be the faster XC bike, so you'd want to lighten that up. But the 5010 has more potential to probably get light than the tall boy. That's actually a very good, interesting point. And then, to me, no matter what you do to the 5010, it's not going to have the high speed stability of the tall boy. So that <laughs> creates a problem. <laughs> First. This is not past first. This is like zero world problem. <laughs> well, so where this may actually so you're right. Poor little rich boy, right? So <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever. Okay. So where this kind of meets the the general population, not even general population, where, where the application on this is. If you're thinking fifty ten tall boy, you know, one twenty five travel um, twenty-seven and a half inch bike or one ten travel or one hundred travel uh, uh, twenty-niner. Uh, which way do you go? So that's really what what we're yeah. going to agility exactly. or stability. I think that's the right question. Exactly, and that's that's and, what I was. And, and what kind of rider are you? Are you a point point and shoot or a bob and weave, pop and jump? And are you a Strava rider or are you a flare rider? 
because I have better flare on a 5010, but I have faster lap times and faster climbing times and faster descending times on a tall boy. Ah, there we go. Some I can, raw data. I can yeah. whip, manual, bunny hop, skis, steez, sleaze <laughs> my 5010 better than my tall boy. <laughs> right. But I'm faster on the tall boy. Interesting. Yeah. So here, here's here's my two cents, and I don't have these two bikes, but I, I have a 5010. I just replaced that with a Transition Scout, which I haven't finished building yet. Um, I got the new Transition Scout Carbon. Um, but I had a Specialized Stump Jumper 29, and that was a 130 mil travel 29. And the, the part that I had a, the toughest time with, I mean, that's a little longer travel than you guys are talking, but the the part that I had trouble with was super steep, oh, tight yeah. corners and technical terrain, and that's where I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't get the bike to turn um, or jam into corners, and that's what's kind of stuck in my mind for that twenty nine or differences coming into really tight corners, just jamming that bike into corners and popping it out the other end. To me, that bike comes to life at about the same speed as a real downhill bike. The tall like boy. no, the Stump Jumper FSR twenty nine. The okay. The one yeah. that you had. Yeah. I mean, it really comes to life at a high speed. Very high speed. Right. And a lot of the trails that I tend to frequent are slow speed, very technical, tight. A little more vertical with the yeah. tighter, tighter, tighter turns at the bottom. Right. Well, and that's a bike that if you get behind the saddle, like you might be inclined to do on a really, 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 really steep trail. Yeah. You just can't turn it. That And that's exactly what happened to me is when, yeah. when I was really going down something steep and let's say it was a steep shoot that was like a say a steep shoot that would actually you would accelerate while on the brakes and you had to do a hard turn at the bottom i know how often does this come up but it seemed to come up enough that bike i was really scared when it would hit that corner that i couldn't muscle it through whereas a smaller wheel bike i can just think it through and it boom it pops through the corner well i'm pretty sure that bike has a similar steering steering trail to a 26 inch downhill bike with like a 65 degree head angle which the difference is that that downhill bike gives you with the downhill tires and the downhill fork and everything gives you the confidence to stay up over the front end in that turn and 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 like hit that turn with confidence right a 130 travel 29er may not quite inspire the same. Nah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the same speed. And it might fold the, the wheels over if you did. <laughs> right. And that's what I felt like. I, I, I felt like the wheel, the front end got away from me a couple of times and it like, kind of folded under me. Not folding the wheel in half, but like it, it would turn the wheel and I couldn't power it back. So this is when I don't like 29. There's this sense I get where I feel like every once in a while the big, the, the, the 29 or even the good ones get kind of like they almost get bunched up in a turn. Yes. And that's it's, like, a, yep. it's like trying to fit two wheels in one space or something. <laughs> right. That's, that's basically what I'm describing right. is yeah. That, it would like jackknife the bike. I feel too. And like, there is a little bit of like front to back chatter on the front wheel that you don't get with smaller wheels, but I attribute that to the braking traction. Mostly. And, yeah, okay. And the fact that you need to run a little steeper head angle to get the right steering trail. Right. Right. Well, yeah. and also the, the stump jumper I had had a 32 millimeter stanchion. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of back and forth on the front on that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> In those situations. Four after chatter. Four after yes. chatter. <laughs> <laughs> a 130 mil travel, one, yeah. 32 millimeters. And steep with hard but, turned, hard. Yeah. <laughs> 
But steep, slow, technical, tight terrain, it, yeah, I would feel like the bike would jackknife. And to me, that's a bike that goes into that category where I just feel like if I want a bike with that much travel and that slack of a head angle, I want smaller wheels. I'm riding right. a 153 in that. Yep. Yeah. You could be uh, taking your process 153 out on that. Beyond that, though, I'm looking forward or to getting slayer. a slayer. <laughs> yeah. Or a slayer, yeah. Um, or a Firebird. Yep. Yeah, all of those bikes. Yes, yeah, very definitely all of those bikes. It's like the seven point. Man, those were good days. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Iron Horse seven point with a longer reach. Well, for what it for what it's worth, um, way shorter chances. The one thing I'm finding about uh, so my transition patrol, I have it set up with fairly heavy duty tires and a 170 fork. Yes, and I find that I don't really want to ride that bike ton when i'm pedaling right it's so like the 153 it's yeah. well like your 153 when you had it built up with yeah. heavy duty wheels yeah very much and so. it's fun at a park or it really really like where you really need need it for the chunky downhills right. but i'm i'm finding once i built my patrol up that way or my basically my 160 bike i noticed this when i had the nomad as well is I'm tending to pull the shorter travel bike out more frequently and pushing the, I'd rather push the, the limits, limits of that bike yeah. than slog the the heavier bike. That's what I've been doing with the 5010. Well, yeah. some of that's probably your skill set too. I mean, yeah, it could be. You have the skills to ride a shorter travel bike with confidence on terrain that other people might want a nomad or yeah. more for. Well, and, and, and I think if I, I put lighter wheels and lighter tires on the patrol and bump the fork down to 160, it would suddenly become a much more all-rounder. I would say lighter wheels and lighter tires would be most of the... I think it's... Yeah. Do. Yep. Yeah. It'd be 90% of it. I put the lighter wheels and lighter tires, same, virtually the same tire width and, and tread, just the lighter casing version. And instead of running the fork at 160... My experimental suggestion, my, my suggestion for the experiment would be run a little less air pressure, more sag, and more low and high speed compression. Oh, we've been talking about that a little bit. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you get the well, same ride height that you would with less travel. You get more negative travel. The wheel sticks to the ground more. And you can run a little more damping and still have a real plush feel, but a lot of control. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Just, I mean, all theory. Yes. Well, and in my case, because I have that multiple bike stable, I, I try to keep the uh, my heavier bike my heavier bike pushed to that upper limit because I don't have a downhill bike, yeah. so I'm not pinning that bike in in that lineup. I just push that bike as far as I can tolerate um, pedaling it to the point where I even put 170 cranks on it recently. Well, and I think this is a big part of why I'm a believer in this em- emerging category. Because so many of us that used to have downhill bikes don't anymore. Right. Yeah. And a lot of us do want something very capable. Full Monty Dur- yeah. Durbra. Well, I, I mean, this weekend I was up at Big Bear and I, I took my transition up there. And yeah, at no point was I like, I wish I had a downhill bike. And unfortunately for us in Southern California, honestly, the first place that I'd want to pull out a downhill bike on any kind of like a ski resort would be Mammoth. And it's five hours away. Right. And that's we're that's, going to North Star soon. <laughs> <laughs> Nine hours. 
<laughs> Saddle up. You guys can sleep in the back of my van. <laughs> we can do a multi-day trip up there. That yeah, sounds like a we plan. Could, we could maybe hit like some of the Sequoia stuff on the way or, or, or something. Yeah. Like we were talking maybe like a Wednesday morning to Saturday night type of trip. Mm. Van life. Mm. Mm. So good. I could do that. I could definitely do that. Nice. We'll have to talk more off the air yeah, and then sure. talk more about it on the air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so anyways, yeah, that's uh, a lot of good talk and a lot of good bikes and a lot of good shop news going on. Yep. Happy back to school, everybody. Yep. Oh, hey, one last thing. Sorry, I know we're wrapping up, but do you know that tall boys got in the low setting? 12 and three quarters. Bottom bracket. Very low. That thing is good stuff. It's good stuff, anyways. And and well, and another one of another thing I like to harp on with twenty nine inch wheels. That's a ton of drop. It's a ton of drop. And drop equals stability. Drop equals confidence. Drop equals less going over the bars. Drop equals wheels staying on the ground. Twelve and three quarters. And according to one (laughs) of my one of my weird theories, it also equals less overwhelming of front or rear suspension and more even suspension movement. Yeah, I could believe that. I could believe that. Sweet. Sweet. Happy Ox Ox stoked stoked on his I am pretty stoked. And I don't think it's just new bike phenomenon. It's there, not just confirmation bias. <laughs> confirmation bias. There is some of that going on, I'm sure. There but. always is. Yeah, the most, re- like the, the meal I just cooked is most likely, is much more likely to be the best meal I ever had than the meal I cooked last week. True. And Very the campsite true. we just stayed at is the campsite that's much more likely to be high on my family. <laughs> so we just went on our little road trip, and we stayed at a bunch of different campsites, and we kept, as a family, my seven-year-old son, my wife, and I kept re-ranking each campsite. <laughs> and our order, strangely, usually had the most recent campsite towards the top. Uh, <laughs> nice. It's like a forced ranking matrix, right? Like every time you stay at one, you had to put one one before the other. Yeah, <laughs> and and like, Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, welcome back. Yeah, good to be back. <laughs> uh, well, should we wrap it up? I'm good. I feel pretty content. Yep, we're at about an hour twenty in. Good evening, riders. Have a great night. Yep. Thank you all for listening, and uh, keep tuning in. Keep visiting the shop, and we'll keep doing the shows. And thank you, Nathan and Ock, for the awesome podcast support. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Tony. <laughs> Thanks. All right, good night.